0: So like I mentioned to the kids earlier, the coat room, the coat rack, the hall tree, we all have different ways of getting the coats that we use organized in some way close to a door. It's one of the least mentioned rooms in the house. I'll be I've not seen an HGTV show yet where it's like, flip my coat room, you know, Um I don't see Joanna Gaines coming out with a really fancy hall treat. She probably did. So it's something that is not really much talked about, but it really does carry a lot of importance. Plenty of times, this is one of the most important thresholds in our entire home. There are so many times that we wear a coat, right? And it has a particular purpose. When you wear a coat like you had to this morning and like you had to yesterday, you had a reason to wear it. Oftentimes we have these coats. They're meant to protect us from what's going on on the outside. And when we get to some place, oftentimes one of the first things that the host is going to ask you is... Can I take your coat? When you walk into this church, one of the first things that you'll see on either side of the main entrances that we use are coat racks lined up, inviting you to place your coat on a hanger and come in to worship. We put our coats, our protection from the outside into somebody's hands, and then they're put away. Left We presume in safekeeping so that we can grab them as we leave later. We don't feel like we need them anymore most of the time. When we're at some place, we're not presuming that if it's 19 degrees or 15 degrees like it was this morning, that it's going to be 15 degrees at the church or 15 degrees in the house. You're not going to see ice falling through the roof. You expect that you're going to be well taken care of and safe. And so you give up your coat. And a lot, I think, in that conversation is understood and negotiated as part of that simple transaction that begins most people's visits no matter where they go. Who would have thought there's so much to try to analyze and figure out when you're giving somebody your coat? In some ways, you're saying, I feel safe, I feel protected, and I'm willing to make myself comfortable in your space. In fact, you begin to notice at times when someone doesn't take their coat off. If I decided for the rest of my sermon, which I am hot-blooded, so this will not be the case. But if I left my coat on for the entirety of the service, it will indicate some sort of sign to you, right? Remember, we talked about signs last week. You might be wondering... Why is that guy keeping his coat on? If you go into a room and somebody says to you, will you please let me take your coat so I can hang it up, and you say no, people are going to wonder why. It could be that I'm uncomfortable with the temperature, right? Maybe I'm somebody who runs a little cooler than most folks, and so I go into a room and I'm just kind of guaranteeing that I'm going to be a little bit more chilly than the other folks. And so you, as a good guest, is probably going to do something like, you notice somebody keeps their coat on, and you wonder what's going on, and you say, well, hey, can I offer you a blanket? Usually a good thing to offer. Or, if you're being particularly generous, you may open up one of the biggest pinch points in any household, the thermostat, and you may say, well, let me turn up the temperature for you. Right? Because you're a good host. It's important to take care of your guests and help them feel more comfortable. You might be willing to negotiate some solution in order to ensure that a person is comfortable in your home. But the one thing that we don't typically do, right, is say, in order for you to stay at my house, you must remove your coat, please. Now, if any of you have done that, I don't make somebody take their coat off when they're sitting in my house. I let them keep the jacket on for as long as they need it. I would much rather, and I imagine most of you too, if given the option between having a showdown about a coat going into a coat room or turning up the temperature in your house, you're going to pick the latter. It's hospitality. It's what we do when we have guests over to our house. And if we take a step and we think beyond just coats that we wear, because it's winter in Ohio apparently finally, we start thinking about all the coats that we wear in order to keep ourselves protected. Now, for lots of us in a lot of different times The sun's shining on our lives and we can just go out and not have to put on an extra jacket. It's not raining, everything's fine. But, of course, for others, storm clouds gather far more often. We may find ourselves and midst of poverty, and we're apt to put a coat of protection on to shield us from the storms that tell us that we are poor because we are incapable of working, that we've done something wrong, that we've not taken care of ourselves the way that we should, and so we put on a coat of protection. Gosh, there's so many other ways that we might need to put on a coat Again, on a Martin Luther King Day weekend, we shouldn't forget that as much progress has been made for um, people of different races, there are still circumstances where based on the color of your skin, you are going to be told things that are different than somebody of another skin color. And so maybe you put on a coat because you don't feel safe. Maybe. Like so many of, uh, of us who have served on Kairos weekends, you know somebody who's a good person but made a mistake and now is in prison and now that label of felon stays with them the rest of their lives. And so as a result, they have to put up another code of protection because I wonder if that person committed a crime here, what are they going to do now? How do we trust this person? Gosh, and take your pick, Right? Anything that's going to show up on a, on a cable news program, depending on what side you're on, you're going to need to put on a coat to protect yourself from what's going on. And even in the case of our gospel today in John, the reason why we need to put on a coat might be a story of our past. Now, oftentimes, and I know this is not the first time that we have worked on John 4 together, but I mentioned in the last time that all too often what we do is we look at this John 4 story about the woman at the well. We focus on the fact that she apparently has five husbands and that's what we glean out of it. Because for whatever reason, depending on what side you're on, we get ourselves so obsessed about sexuality that that tends to run the rest of the conversation. Well, this person was an adulteress. Clearly there's nothing else to gain from this passage. I think there's a lot more to glean out of John 4. One of the things that we, that we know is that the woman at the well was a Samaritan. Samaritans, and this is one of my favorite quotes about how the Jewish people viewed Samaritans. Degenerate and suspect. It's a name in one of my commentaries discussing this passage. That Jews perceived Samaritans, which were like cousins of the Jews, viewed them as degenerate and suspect. Would you want to get a glass of water from somebody who was degenerate and suspect? I don't know what they put in the cup. Furthermore, in this story that we lay in front of us, it was incredibly uncommon for a man to talk to a woman in a public square like what happened in this story. So you can see the woman, even walking into this circumstance, has already got to put a couple coats on. Here is a Jewish person here at the well. I should put on that coat of protection. Oh, and it's a man, too. I need to put on another coat. And we don't know, again, how the woman had five husbands, but even 2,000 years later, we can make our assumptions, and so you imagine what the stories might have been at the time. Another coat to put on. This Samaritan woman was triple layered at the well. And what does Jesus do? Jesus provides her new comforts. He tells her of something better than what she has today. There is something new, but he doesn't expect her to take these coats off all of a sudden. He doesn't say to the Samaritan woman, Hey, do you know I'm Jesus now? Get yourself right. You don't need all of that stuff. Just, do you see who I am? Do you know what I can provide? Change today. He doesn't expect her to take off the coats all of a sudden, it seems. Instead, he lets her know that he sees her just as she is. And yes, it seems that Jesus has a little miracle up his sleeve, that he's somehow able to know exactly what's gone on in this woman's life. Pretty amazing. But in the end, Jesus tells her what she has been waiting for is Here, that she will never be thirsty again, that she will be safe. There is a place that there is to call home. Home is coming. If you remember last week when we talked about signs, and if you weren't here last week, we talked about signs that are in the front yard, and we talked a little bit about what signs mean, that they're ways that we can indicate based on events and circumstances what might happen in the future, the probable events to occur, even if they're not actually true. We may look at a sign, we may look at what's in front of us, and we might not know What actually is going to happen, but we make our assumptions based on the signs at hand. We see a bunch of storm clouds gather around us, and we predict rain, but in the summertime, that might not necessarily be the case. How many times have any of us heard stories that a church can be a safe place to call home only to hear of someone being told to leave because of who they are or what they've done? And here's the thing, y'all. I don't say this as a finger wag to this congregation because over and over again, I have watched this congregation move outside itself to care for people that come into its midst. Even last week when we had the staff come together, we retold the story of, of, of the arsonist who was forgiven here at this congregation. That's part of our story. But the problem is that for so many other churches, that's not the story. The story is not I burnt down your building, but I'm coming here and asking for forgiveness and you will give it to me and give me a job. Who does that? Old Stone Presbyterian Church has. But we ought not to presume that every other church, that anybody who has been kicked out of and forced to keep their coats on, that would be something that would happen. Perhaps the tragedy of the American church is that far too often we spend our time kicking people out as opposed to inviting them in. So maybe, perhaps, we're not the ones who do that. Maybe we are inclusive. Maybe we know that we have the coziest, most wonderful house for people to come visit anytime. They can feel good. They can take their coats off. But we have to remember that there are plenty of times that that hasn't been the case for many of those around us. I wonder how many people outside our home today are like that. I wonder how many people inside our home today are like that, who look at the church and feel like a Samaritan amongst the Jews. Boy, if that was something that Martin Luther King during his time here was trying to invite all of us as Americans to remember is that there are many who are forced to wear coats even when they've been promised the comfort of a restful home. So what do we do? I think it may be to realize that there are some folks that will come here and be parts of our home that might indeed need to wear their coats a little longer. That, it's not about us. But it might be about what's happened to them in their past. It might be that... Yes, indeed, the woman who comes to visit us had five husbands, but sadly, they all died in tragic ways. And now the one who is not her husband is her son, who's caring for her at her late age. But boy, if you just hear five husbands, where does the mind wander? And boy, how many times would it take you to go into a church be invited to leave before you'd struggle to feel like if it was a safe place again. It's not about us. It's about the person who's coming in and learning their story. It may be willing, may be a willingness to make ourselves feel a little uncomfortable for the comfort of others. In next week's continuation of this passage, we'll see how the disciples felt when they saw Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. It was like it's one of the funniest parts of the Bible to me. It's like Jesus starts talking to the disciples about food, and they're like, did somebody order him something? Like, did the takeout guy come? Did they order Uber? But you could tell that they're really uncomfortable with this idea that Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman. Really getting to know somebody. Really willing to help somebody feel comfortable after they have been forced out of safe places over and over again may mean that we'll be a little uncomfortable. It may mean listening to stories that we don't always like to hear. It may mean having to turn the temperature up spiritually, metaphorically, in a way that means that people will start to feel like maybe I can take my coat off. Maybe this is a place I can call home. Maybe this place is different, because y'all know this place is different. I know this place is different. But if you've been told that time and time and time again, sometimes you need to know a little bit more firmly. It might mean loving people where they're at. It might mean accepting that there are some people who can't be vulnerable and can't be open, but we love them anyway. It means accepting that the temperature might need to be changed. It means acknowledging somebody without judgment until we know the full story that they are willing to invite us into. It means having to retell stories about other signs in the yard. It means telling the stories about how we have learned how to love one another. It means retelling the story of Johnny Monday. It means retelling the stories of the good things that we've done, the way that we've loved each other, because there are people, friends, that need to hear it over and over and over again. But there is a safe place in this community to call home. And if we've done it once, we can do it again. Because friends, if our gospel passage shows us anything, is that that's where Jesus Christ is. Not up at the fields trying to get food like the disciples were. Instead, Jesus is right there with the people who need to know that they're loved the most. And don't you want to be with Jesus? Isn't that why we show up on Sunday? Because we want to be with Jesus. Our coat rooms, whether they're the ones in our houses or they're the ones here, are the threshold that invite people to comfort. And it may be one of the most important places in all of our homes. It's where those who have had to defend themselves against the storms can know that they are protected. So I invite you as we keep walking together in 2020 and we keep thinking about what it is to be home and what it is to care for our homes is to remember that there are those who have had to wear their coats so long they don't know what it's like to take it off. And those of us who have had the luxury of sitting comfortably in our homes can invite them in and say, welcome, what do you need? How can I love you? In other words, do the things that we do really well already. But Let's not forget how deeply important it is for a broken world that too often hears that they can't be loved. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for this time. Thank you for simple places in our lives that tell deeper stories. Thank you. For the coat room, help us to help people feel safe and allow them to be vulnerable. And when they can't, let us build spaces where they can feel more safe. And all this we ask in your son's name, amen.